It's great to be together this morning. This morning we're going to be continuing in our series uh, from Isaiah called Streams in the Desert, about God doing something new amongst us. And uh, we're going to be looking at a theme this morning that uh, comes uh, through Isaiah, through a lot of actually of the Old Testament writers, about seeking God. And so we're going to be The title this morning is Pursuing God, and we're going to read some verses, just a few verses actually, from Isaiah chapter 55, and uh, they're going to come up behind me on the screen, and so you'll be able to follow them if you don't have a Bible. So this is what Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 3, and verse 6 say. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. I don't know about you, but have you ever been offered something, but it sounds too good to be true? I think we've probably all had moments like that. We've had those letters through the post that say, Mr. Chick... It's your lucky day. And then they go out to spell out something and you sort of think, there are three prizes waiting for you, one of which could be a Lamborghini. And of course, you never get the Lamborghini, do you? Well, you can quite clearly see see I haven't got the Lamborghini. Um, You always get a pen or something like that. That's the prize. But it always seems there's something out there that they're offering you something and they're trying to draw you in and and it seems too good to be true. And, and, And in reality, for most of the time, it is. And these first few verses of Isaiah can feel a little like, the, like that. It's like hearing one of the market traders as you walk down uh, the high street in uh, Winchester. Come on, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? I've got just what you need. You don't need any money. Don't worry. Don't waste your money over there. Listen to me. There's a slap-up meal here and it's for free. You're like, when you're listening to Isaiah, it's a little like that. It's, it's sort of like someone calling in the street and trying to draw you in and, and draw you in. And you're, you're wondering, uh, uh, am I really? Is that, is, that, is that for real? Am I wasting my time? Come and buy something that costs nothing. Really? Someone buy something that costs nothing. How can you buy something that costs nothing? Surely this is just another promise that's going to leave us feeling shortchanged and disappointed. And many of us have been there before, haven't we? A promising career that never delivered. A relationship that wasn't made in heaven after all. The life that once was all in front of us, full of potential, and is now slipping behind us. Not not quite what we hoped and planned for. 
Last week, Jim spoke about the sovereignty of God, and a number of, uh, of people were acknowledging, feeling disappointed how some things in their Christian life had turned out and were doing business with God. You see, Isaiah himself had warned the nation that he was writing to that it was in serious trouble. They hadn't listened, and they were now in a mess. And I think in the UK in these days, we are in the same boat. You see, playing lip service to God, playing lip service to God never ends well. For Israel, it involved being given into the hands of a merciless oppressor. But God never wrote them off. God hadn't given up on them. He was still trying to catch their attention. And he's the same with us. And Isaiah's encouragement for us this morning is for us to seek God. You see, seeking God isn't trying to find him because he's lost and he needs someone to find him. No. Actually, what Isaiah is encouraging us to do is to come with commitment to the one that we know is there. And yet it's urgent. There's clearly an urgency in what Isaiah is saying because he might not always be near. And as we heard this morning in the worship, only he can satisfy our deepest longings. The Old Testament writer's message is that God can be pursued and found if we seek him with all our heart. That's what we heard this morning, that little word about gold and panning through Uh, grit at the bottom of a river and and actually as you pan through the grit washes away and, and there are little nuggets of gold and there's a God wants us to find him you see seeking God is about seeking his presence and yet there's a question for us. Aren't we always in his presence? Isn't God always near? The, uh, uh, the theologians call it omnipresent. God is with us. We can't escape from God. That's what Psalm 139 uh, teaches us. Didn't Jesus promise to be with us to the very end of the age in Matthew chapter 28 verse 20? So why do we need to seek God? The truth is, There are times when we sense that God is not near. And sometimes it's because we've given him no time or thought. Sometimes we'd rather trust in our own abilities than rely on him. Is this like us? Are we like that? God is a bit distant because we give him no attention. And he feels far away from us. You see, moments like that are potentially always just around the corner. And so the Bible constantly urges us to seek God. But there's another conundrum. How can we seek God when he's invisible? When no one can see his face and live? When he dwells in unapproachable light? You see, all we know of God is what he chooses to reveal to us. He is infinite, eternal. He is above and beyond all. He is transcendent, glorious, magnificent. He is all-knowing and all-powerful. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God we read about in the Bible. And our capacity for knowing him is limited by our humanity. We struggle to understand God. How well do we know God? Vaguely? 
like a distant relative that we get a, a Christmas card from once a year with a message of what's been happening in their lives? Is that what our relationship with God is like? Maybe we know lots of facts about him or perhaps we've heard about him, but we've never personally encountered him. Are we more interested in what he does for us than in knowing him? Are we really hungry and thirsty for God? A.W. Tozer says this, In this hour of all but universal darkness, one cheering gleam appears. There There are to be found increasing numbers of persons, marked by a growing hunger after God himself. They will not be put off with words, nor will they be content with correct interpretations of truth. They are a thirst for God, and they will not be satisfied till they have drunk deep at the fountain of living water. Tozer is saying there is, God is looking for people who are hungry and thirsty for him, who won't be satisfied until they have encountered God, till they have drunk deeply of living water. And Jesus says that he's the one that gives living water that fills our souls, living water that never runs dry. God wants us to do that this morning. But the first thing we're going to need to understand is this. If we're going to pursue God, the first thing we need to understand is this. God pursues us. C.S. Lewis said this, an impersonal God, well and good. A subjective God of beauty, truth and goodness inside our own heads, better still. A formless life force surging through us, a vast power which we can tap, best of all. But God himself, alive, pulling at the other end of the cord, perhaps approaching at infinite speed, that's quite another matter. Right from the very beginning of the Bible, we see a God who pursues us. In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, just after Adam and Eve have expressly disobeyed God, just after they have done the one thing he asked them not to do, they, they had everything at their disposal. They could eat of any tree. God said, but not that one. And they deliberately disobeyed him. And suddenly their relationship with God was broken. They were aware of their own rebelliousness and they hid from God. And this is what we read. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the, to the man, where are you? He's God. He knew exactly where they were. He knew exactly where they were hiding. He knew exactly what they'd done. And he called out to them, where are you? He was the God that was seeking them out. He was the God that was calling to them, wanting them to respond to his seeking of them. You see, even though we persist from 
hiding from the one who created us, he still pursues us. And all through the Bible, we read of characters who have sought to run away from God. We read of Jonah who runs away from doing what God has called him to do. And he runs and he tries to hide from God. And he gets on a boat and tries to go to Tarshish on the other side of the sea. And you know the story of how God hunts him down, pursues him. And pursues him because he loves him. Pursues him because he knows what's best for his life. We read of Elijah who runs away, depressed, wants to uh, uh, kill himself. He's at the end of himself, depressed to the point that he could take his own life. And God comes to him and pursues him and won't let him go. God chases after him because he loves him so much. We read of Jacob, a cheat and a liar and spent all his life deceiving people hiding from God, pretending to be religious, but underneath he's a mess of foaming emotions. And God pursues him and won't let him go and comes to him one night and encounters him. And in that moment, everything changes. Where are you? Where are you? He knows everything about us. We can't hide from him. We foolishly persist in trying. God wants to reveal himself to us this morning. I remember years ago having friends uh, staying in the house I was living in. My parents were living abroad. And I remember one night just thinking it would be a fun thing to do. One of uh, my friends had gone to bed and um, I was hiding behind the curtain and he didn't know I was there. And uh, I, was actually, uh, I was actually hiding behind the curtain on the window ledge. And, uh, and what I did, I waited until he'd just, just about, thought he was just about going to sleep and then I jumped from behind the curtains and went, ah, like that. Absolutely terrified him absolutely terrified him. He was shaking for about 40 minutes. Not a very nice thing to do, really. Don't, don't get any ideas, don't do it, okay? Sometimes, I think we think God is like that, who's just going to jump out on us and is gonna, he's fearful, he's going to frighten us and we're going to be, we, we're left with this a- a- anxiety. God is, I want to tell you, God is not like that. God is not out to frighten us. He loves us. When it says God wants to reveal himself to us, he wants us to know him as a father. He wants us to know that he cares about us. He knows us intimately. He knows our deepest need. He knows our deepest frailties. He knows our challenges. He understands us. He knows we will be completely overwhelmed by his splendor and glory. And so God revealed himself to us. He became a man just like us. He broke into our world. His son, Jesus, became man. God became man. He, he was, became completely like us and yet at the same time completely unlike us. He was both God and man at the same time. Jesus said of himself, 
For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came, the image of the invisible God, and he says he came to seek out and pursue people like us who were lost. How amazing is that? If we think we're unimportant, of little value, of no consequence, and that our lives are pointless, know this, God came looking for you. He came looking for you. How good is that? The creator of life thinks we are of infinite importance and value. So much so before we did anything, anything good, he pursued us. Let's not miss out on the grace of God that could be ours because pride gets in the way. That's the second thing I want to talk about. Actually, our pride gets in the way. Humanity has sought to shut God out. We've turned our backs on him, the one who made us and formed us, who knew us when we were in our mother's womb. We've declared independence, just like they've been doing in Spain. Declared independence and said, we're, we're independent. We don't want to be part of you. We want to live our own lives. We don't want your rule over us. That's what we're like. We've done that. We don't need you, God. We're like children hiding in a corner with our hands over our faces going, I, and, and when children do that, they often do that because, because if they've got their hands over their eyes, they can't see you. You can't be there. You, that's obvious you can't be there because they can't see you. We are like children before God with our hands over our eyes saying, well, you're not there. There's nothing there. How foolish are we? And yet God still loves us. You see, that is the great obstacle to us seeking God. It's our pride. This is what... It says in Psalm 10, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. See, our pride causes us to hide from the possibility of God's existence. We shut him out. But God will not be silenced. This is what it says in Isaiah 65 verse 1. God says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I revealed myself to those who didn't ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here I am, here I am. You know, God still calls out, here I am. When you walk out and you see the beautiful scenery, you, you walk on, uh, down by the water meadows and you see the, the beautiful views, God is calling out, here I am. It's his handiwork. Wherever you go and you see beauty in this world, God is calling out to you, here I am. God loves us. God still calls out to us. And our treasonous pride was dealt with by Jesus Christ on the cross. He became a man and he went to the cross to deal with that rebellion, our, uh, our independence, our desire to live our own way. The Bible calls it sin, and Jesus dealt with our sin and its consequences on the cross. He took our punishment so that God, we might know God. We might have, be able to see God and know him. Jesus did it for us. 
He took our punishment. When he died and when he rose from the dead, he made a way for us to have a relationship with his Father. Deep down, it's easy to think that we did something by crying out to God for help. The Bible rips through our arrogance. We were incapable of seeking God without his help. Paul says we were dead in our sin in Ephesians chapter 2. Dead people can't seek anything. We cannot come to God without his grace working in our hearts. God comes to us, pursues us, seeks us out, and draws us to himself. God, before anything, anyone can come to God, God must have sought them first. Jesus sums it up when he says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one, no one can come to Jesus. No one can come to faith in Christ without the Father first drawing them. We do nothing. We earn nothing. This is not about us. This is about his grace to us, about receiving his grace. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah says that God says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. God lovingly draws us to himself. You're here this morning because God has drawn you. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, I don't know whether I believe this, I want to tell you, God is calling out to you, here I am. He's drawing you with his loving kindness. He's saying, here I am. You can have a relationship with me through my son Jesus. You see, when you hear that, that can, there can be only one response for us to pursue God. I don't know about you, um, uh, maybe you've played this game with, uh, if you've got children of your own, you will have played this game. If, if you haven't, uh, you would, perhaps would have played them with uh, children of friends. You play, kids love playing hide and seek. And uh, I remember playing hide and seek uh, with our kids and uh, uh, with Meg and Joe and, and when they were really little. And what would happen is I would go and hide, hide. And I would hide in probably the most obvious place. And uh, it was obvious where I was. And they would come in and they'd be like, sorry, Meg, she's here this morning. You didn't walk like this, okay? We'll pretend it's Joe. So, ooh. And I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm hiding behind here. And, ooh. And you think, he's going to find me. And then he's like, ooh, and he's off. And so what you have to, so you're, you're like this. You make little noises. And you, you, do, you keep doing it. You keep doing it until he finds you. Who's seeking who? He has no idea what he's doing. He's loving the game, but he's never going to find me. I help him. And then that moment when he, you sort of, and then you sweep him up in your arms, and they, they get. I mean, he just laughs and he wants to play it again. Oh, again. You're thinking, and you go through the same thing again. You hide in the same place. You hide in the same place. You go through the same process. And he's like, ooh. That's what we're like with God. He wants us to find him. He's drawing us to himself. He's revealing himself. He calls out to us. And we think, was that God? 
Was he? Was that him? And then we turn and look. And then there's that moment where God comes and wraps His arms of love around us. God wants us to pursue Him. Paul, in speaking on Mars Hill to the Athenians, says that God created the natural world so that we might reach out to Him and perhaps find Him. He goes on to say that God is not far from each of us. It does leave you with a question, though. Why why is it so hard to find Him? Actually, as I said, it's, it's it's actually quite easy. The trouble is us. We're so dull and hard-hearted and we miss the signals that God keeps coming, calling out to us. In the Old Testament, it just seems to be so much more obvious, doesn't it? A voice from a burning bush, angels bringing messages from, messages from God, visions, audible voices and the like. Today, we see little of that. Maybe we're just spiritually deaf and blind too clever for our own good that we've rationalized God out of our thinking because we can't see him, hear him, or touch him. As far as science is concerned, God's existence can't be empirically proven. And yet in his incredible grace, in his incredible grace, he is still calling out to us, helping us find him. There was an incident a couple of weeks ago. There was a lady came into the NBC, an older lady. And she basically came in and, and said to Annie, uh, my wife who was sitting at the front desk, she said, can I, would it be, is this a, I feel this is a safe place. Can I come and sit by you? My husband uh, is in Winchester and I live down in uh, Devon and uh, I, I, he's traveling and I just come with him today and I, I, can I just sit with you because I, I feel it would be safe in here. And so she sits next to Annie, and Annie's just chatting to her, and they're talking, and then Annie starts to share something about what we do here, and uh, about how uh, we love God, and what he's done in our lives. And this lady goes, oh, wow, she says, that's really interesting. She said this last week, she said, it's amazing that I'm here, hearing this. She said, because this last week, a couple of days ago, we were driving uh, down this this road, and my husband overtook, was overtaking, and as he was overtaking, suddenly there's a car coming the other way. And uh, she said, as the car was coming the other way, I thought, she said, in that moment, she said, I didn't think we were going to be able to get out of the way. Fortunately, in the end, she said he just managed to swerve in and miss the the oncoming car. But she said, in that moment, I thought I was going to die. And afterwards, I thought, oh, there, there must be a God. He's given me an opportunity. God was calling out, here I am. I'm here. I'm here. And she said, I've come here and you're talking about God. And Annie had the opportunity to share with her and give her a a why Jesus and said, look, there's a prayer. And they go home and read this. Pray the prayer at the end. And as she was going out the door, she said, oh, I'm so glad I came here today. I'm so glad. God is calling out, here I am. Here I am. God seeks and saves the lost. He's drawing people, if you can just but hear his voice. Do we want an encounter with God? Do we want an encounter with God? Jesus himself said that only the pure in heart will see God. 
Isaiah gives us clues. He says this, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. You who pursue righteousness and seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and the quarry from which you were hewn. Isaiah is saying is that, is that God is the eternal God. He is the rock from which we, cut. we are created with eternity in our hearts. That is something that only God can fill. It's a gap inside us that only God can fill. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. If you're here this morning, you're, you're feeling empty inside. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. Only he can fulfill that deep longing in your heart. The psalmist says that God has lifted us out of a slimy pit, out of the pit that we were in, and he's lifted our feet up and put us on a rock. It's a pit we can't get out of. We can't solve the deepest longings of our heart, the deepest needs of our heart ourselves. We can't get out. We're stuck. It's too high. There's no way out for us. But God comes and lifts us up and puts our feet on a rock. God comes to us. He pursues us. He takes us and puts our feet on a rock. And that rock, the Bible says, is Christ. That rock is higher than ourselves, the psalmist says. We, in our foolishness, receive Christ's righteousness. When he died on the cross, he took our wrongdoing He took our wrongdoing, and in exchange, he gives us his right standing with God. And so now we are acceptable because of what he has done on the cross. That great exchange has happened for us. And we can come to the Father who loves us. We can pursue God. Jesus said, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. When we seek God with all our hearts, we encounter God. Christ. Seeing God is seeing Jesus. It's the culmination of the gospel. That's why it says at the end of Revelation, it says this, the culmination of the Bible, it says, every eye will see him. Seeing Christ is the culmination of the gospel. God says this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. Are you passionate about pursuing God? The psalmist says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Are we thirsty for his presence? Are you thirsty to know more of God? Tozer says this, I want to deliberately encourage this mighty longing after God. The lack of it has brought us to our present low state. The stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a lack, result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. Let me read that line again. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us he waits so long, so very long in vain. It's very simple. We get to know God through his word and as we fix our eyes on Jesus. We draw near to him when we pray to a father in heaven through Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. 
We become more like Jesus as daily we are filled with the Holy Spirit who enables us to put the Word of God into practice. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the Father to us, enables us to pray to a Father. What about us? Are we people who seek after God? Do we give ourselves to seek after God? God requires Seeking God requires our wholehearted commitment. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jacob has an encounter with God and he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Are you someone who pursues God with that heart? I won't let you go. I won't leave your presence until you bless me. Our cry must be, My soul follows hard after you. We're to seek God in the good days and the bad days. Maybe you're having a really bad time at the moment. Seek God. Things going well for you? Seek God. We need to seek God when we're in need and when we've got plenty. In blessing and in trial. When people are for us and when people are giving us a hard time. We need to seek God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. God wants us to seek him. You see, because finally we need to realize this, there is a prize of pursuit. You see, when Meg and Joe uh, were, uh, were playing hide and seek, the prize wasn't a lollipop. The prize wasn't sitting down and reading a book together. What was the prize? The prize was encounter. And so when that moment, when I would spring out and lift Joe into my arms and hold him to myself and whisper in his ear that I loved him, I tell you, that was the prize. The prize was being found by a father who loved him. God wants us to pursue him and seek him so that we can find him and he can sweep us into his arms and the reward is knowing him, is knowing a father loves you deeply. It's a father's love that this world barely understands. God is not like any human father we know. We see through glass dimly. God is a perfect father. He's a good, good father as we were singing this morning. In Hebrews 11 verse 6 it says this, Without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You see that reward is God himself. Yes, God brings rest in the midst of the storms of life. God provides for us when we're in need. But I want to tell you The reward is not provision, it's a person. God is a father who wants relationship with us. If we put our trust in Jesus to save us, we are now in Christ and we are seated with him in heavenly places. That's what Paul says. We are in Christ. He is our reward. He is our everything. In Jesus, all of God's promises to us are yes. God doesn't hold anything back from us because he loves us so much he gave his only son for us. God pursued you. And he's still pursuing you. 
Don't let your pride get in the way. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never responded to God's call. Here I am. His whisper in your ear. Today you can put that right. Pursue God. Set your mind on things above. Deliberately give yourself to consider Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe you know that you've not been doing that. This is a time to seek the Lord. We've been having some wonderful times in our prayer meetings recently, and we're gathering to pray tonight. Come to seek the Lord. Come and seek his face. Come with expectancy. I, t- I want to I say to you this morning, we're not to, there's a difference between expectation and expectancy. Expectation is, if I do this, God will do that. And it's like a slot machine. We put the money, put the prayer in. If I do this, God will do that. Oh, he didn't do it. Oh, that didn't, oh, that didn't work. No, no. That, that's expectation. That's linear. If I do this, God will do that. God doesn't work. Like God is God. We don't come to God with expectation. We come to him with expectancy. You are God and you love me. And whatever you do is going to be good because you're for me. You're a good God. And so I'm coming to you with expectancy that you're going to be with me and bless me. I'm not coming to you with a, a prayer that is like a slot machine. I'm coming to you saying, God, these are my needs, but God, I trust you. I'm ex- I have an expectancy that you're going to show up and you're going to break into those things. I don't know how you're going to do it, God. It doesn't matter how you do it. I just know that you're God and you love me and you're for me and you're going to come and meet with me and help me in this. We're to be a people, not who are just expectant in a linear line. You do that, I'll do this, you do that, God. We come to God with expectancy. You are God. You are great. You are loving. You're for me. God, come and show up today. I'm expect- I have an expectancy that God is going to show up tonight. It's not because I've prepared and I've put the penny in the slot. And No, he's God. He wants to meet with us. Where two or three are gathered together, he is there in the midst. Pursue God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be filled with his spirit. There is a reward, and that reward is Christ. I'm going to finish with this reading. And I'd just like you to just let this wash over you. Maybe the musicians could come out, and we're going to sing a final song. Let the words of what Paul says in Philippians wash over you. But whatever were gained to me, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, 
I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's stand together.